Welcome to episode six of the Passionate Purpose podcast, where we interview people over 50 who are pursuing new direction for their lives. It's an opportunity for men and women to tell their stories, their way, in their own words. This week, I'll be speaking with a man who struggled for years to overcome a problem that is common to many people, procrastination. Jeff Kramer is an Arizona native and civil engineer who raised four daughters with his wife, Sharon. Prior to turning 50, he worked in public services for several Arizona municipalities. One of Jeff's most frequent problems is a tendency to be a perfectionist, which stems from a fear that he's not good enough. He says he probably has completed 30 training programs during his lifetime, searching for the secret key to help him work more efficiently to get things done. However, it was during some one-on-one coaching sessions with a procrastination specialist that Jeff learned the root cause of his problem stems from his need for everything to be perfect in order to take the first step. Consequently, perfectionists are also procrastinators because they always need more information before they feel comfortable moving forward. The real turning point for Jeff was accepting the fact he didn't have to be perfect, nor did his skills have to be perfect in order for him to bring value to others. After coming to that realization, Jeff wrote the book The Perfection Paradox to help people get past being stuck in perfectionism. Today, whenever he signs a copy of his book, Jeff inscribes it with the message, Be freed from your flaws and escape to excellence. To share his story about overcoming procrastination and perfectionism, please welcome author and coach Jeff Kramer to the show. Thanks for meeting with me today, Jeff. I really appreciate the time. Tell me a little bit about where who you are and where you're from. <laughs> Hi, Greg. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, so I, I'm a native Arizonan. I, I'm born and raised and still live in Arizona. Currently, we're down in Yuma. And for your listeners who don't know where Yuma is, I tell people we're south of California and east of Mexico. There you go. That's right. kind, of, kind of in this little little notch down in the bottom far southwest corner of the state. Um, temporary home for us. We, we came down here a, a few years ago. Uh, for a uh, purpose, and that purpose has served its time, and we're getting ready to move back up to the Phoenix area uh, sometime early next year. Okay, so as a native of Arizona, do you get like special license plates or something like that? I mean, that's rarity anymore. I wish there was some sort of special perk, but no, you just you just get to claim it and pretend like it means something special anymore. I think. <laughs> Are you married? I am. Okay. My wife, uh, Sharon, and I are empty nesters now, but we have uh, four daughters, and uh, we've successfully managed to get them all out of the house. Well so that was a good good thing. Then you are a dodo like me. Are you familiar <laughs> with that term? No. A dad of daughters only. And oh, I can, yeah. Okay. I can tell because, you know, we pull our hair out of our heads one clump at a time when they're teenagers. <laughs> yeah, the hair went early. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. Oh, goodness. So uh, prior to turning 50, what did you do for a living? I am a civil engineer and uh, so worked at a couple different levels of government. I've been in public service. Um, So I worked for the state transportation department for a number of years. And then for the most part, my time has been in in service to municipalities. Um, I was a director of transportation for the city of Mesa for a number of years, uh, deputy city engineer there before being promoted to transportation director. 
Okay. Um, and then uh, served the town of Gilbert for a number of years running their design and construction program. And as I said, came down here to Yuma, concluded my career in public service as the city engineer for the city of Yuma. I just retired from that a couple of months ago. Okay. What did you like about being a civil engineer? You know, Greg, the thing that I found the most rewarding about it really was the ability to see the fruits of your labor when it was done and know the good it was doing when you when you design and built a road or you had some involvement in a water treatment plant or whatever the, the case may be. And I worked on a multitude of different types of projects. You could drive on it. You could turn on your faucet and the water came out of it. And the same for your neighbors and the folks across town mm-hmm. uh, and your your family when they came to visit, right? So there's this tangible return on what you did that you knew it was good for your community. And that's what I loved. Very good. Did anything cause you stress? Um, <laughs> politics. Politics. Local, local politics. Um, can I say suck on your podcast, Greg? Yes. Local <laughs> politics suck. Uh, and in, in all honesty, um, I loved my teams. I had great teams. And I worked with some phenomenal people over the years, but being a supervisor, a manager, a team leader, that's stressful. Even even if you enjoy it, it's stressful. Mm -hmm. I can imagine it's like corralling cats at some time. It, It is. And I think when you're in public service, you have that that servant heart, that Mm -hmm. service attitude. That's why you go into that career and you feel that way about your team too. It's not, I have staff. It's, I have this team that relies on me to make sure that they do their job well, that they get paid well, that they get home safely. And that's, that's a lot of stress for a person to to carry, knowing that you have the burden of caring for all those people. Mm -hmm. Are there any hobbies that you like to pursue? Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I read a ton. Uh, I'm an avid reader. Um, I'm an amateur photographer and um, a really lousy bowler and golfer, but I do enjoy them. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. What are some of the favorite books or authors that you enjoy? Well, I'll probably bore people a lot with this. I, I really read a lot of um, self-help a lot of leadership, a lot of biography. Um, I love John Maxwell. I have probably 40 of John's hundred plus books on my shelf. Uh, I love Robin Sharma. Uh, I love Mark Miller. Um, Mark, Mark is the senior VP at Chick-fil-A uh, that does all of their leadership and he writes parable style uh, oh. leadership books, which are great. So, uh, and then I read a lot of biography type books as well. How about movies? We do. My wife and I love to go to the movies. You know, the last 15, 18 months was kind of rough for us because for a long time we just couldn't go anymore. But um, we do. We like to go. We like uh, we like comedies. We like action adventure, you know, just the escape for a couple of hours to go relax and just be entertained is great. Okay. Have you ever been anywhere that you found really fun, like in your travels? Well, we have. I mean, we, so my wife and I have, have done some domestic travel we've been to hawaii a few different islands that we really enjoyed um i loved 
personally, and my, and my wife wasn't with me, but I was on a trip to um, Vancouver and Victoria Island. Um, absolutely gorgeous. I want to go back and take her with me to, uh, especially to Victoria Island, to Bouchard Gardens and, and all that. It's just beautiful there. Pretty area up there. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, have you ever taken any tests or, or done anything to identify your personality traits or your natural skills? Probably more than I can remember. Um, I took uh, Myers-Briggs a long time ago. I have no idea what my profile was anymore. I've forgotten, and I'm okay with that. Okay. Um, finders. I know I've done. I've done Colby, uh, Index A in the past. Um, the, the primary one, though, is uh, DISC. Mm-hmm. I've done DISC a few times over the years. And, and funny enough, I did DISC a couple of years ago. Um, I actually went through a class and got certified on um, administering a debriefing disc. Mm-hmm. And I went back and I compared my results to a version of disc that I had taken like 20 years ago. And they were really eerily close. <laughs> so it's funny. Um, and I had my whole family take it just mm-hmm. to help you practice. It, it's quite scary how accurate it, it is, is really. It really is. And I've been told that you change over time, but in in my case as well, when I did the discs and compared it to what I've done years and years ago, it's always the same. It's just generally, do you find doing those kind of tests helpful in determining what you wanted to do with your life? I did to a degree. I think for me, I, so I knew what I wanted to do career wise and, you know, 35 years of that for the first 25, I loved it. And, and then as the politics at the local level got worse and worse and it started kind of sapping the joy out of doing it. Um, but I knew I loved helping people. And so it was kind of this natural, natural progression from, that career to, to what's next, but it helped me, those tests helped me to better understand myself and the areas that, um, I really needed to pay attention to when I was communicating with other folks and working with other folks to make sure that I wasn't doing things that were off putting or that could get in their way. That makes sense. Because of me. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. That's a very valuable valuable information to know, help you to realize, you know, how other people are approaching the same situation. And when you see that it's, this is their communication style because it's ingrained to them. Well, then you have to adopt a little bit just so that you can better relate to people. So yeah, I agree. After you turned 50, what did you do that really invigorated you and gave you a sense of purpose? Well, I think the main thing, Greg, is I knew I was kind of nearing the end. So I'm 58 now and just retired at at 58, but I knew um, that I was headed that direction and was thinking about what was next. And I knew I wanted it to be something that was working with people and trying to help, help them. So the, the things that I started doing, one is I started um, looking for the right training the right mentors, that sort of thing, right? What can help me prepare myself to do whatever I choose to do well? So I went ahead and went through the John Maxwell certification program, 
Uh, I connected with a coach, you know, Carrie Oberbrunner, mm-hmm. um, and worked with Carrie, still work with Carrie. I've been working with Carrie for almost eight years now. Mm-hmm. And I've worked with a couple of other coaches and started reading more kind of the distant mentor approach, right? You, you, you read and you learn from, from folks who kind of model and exemplify the type of thing that you're interested in being and doing. And, and so then I just kind of started working on developing the skills and the abilities in those areas to be able to train and coach people to improve themselves and perform better and, and achieve their goals. Okay. And uh, so that was kind of a natural transition for me. So you become a life coach for people pretty much? I have, in a sense, I don't really classify it as a life coach so much um, because my interest is in helping people to uh, achieve their goals and their their success, right? Everybody's definition and version of success is different. So to help people achieve their version of success in whatever area of life it is they're looking to achieve it. And for some people that's work related and, and I work with them trying to help them achieve work goals. Mm-hmm. And for other people, it's life uh, things, you know, how to lead a team, lead a, lead a church, lead a community, whatever it may be. But I really focus on helping people to understand themselves and be able to lead themselves better so that they can then have a greater impact uh, in their world. One of the John Maxwell's books that I remember reading years ago was "Develop the Leader Within You," and mm-hmm. it's hidden in there. For everybody has some leadership uh, skills and abilities in there. It's just a matter of identifying them and calling them out. That was the first self improvement leadership type book I ever read. That's what started me on the path. Well, that's neat. So, yeah. do you do your coaching online or is it in person? It is predominantly online. I have occasionally done some in-person coaching work. Most of the in-person I do is workshops, mm-hmm. training, speaking engagements, and then the coaching is primarily uh, virtual. Okay. So most yeah. of your business and, and your work is in Arizona then, or are you spreading beyond that? I actually have been all over the country uh, at this point. I um probably half in Arizona, I would mm-hmm. say locally, just because it's easy. It's convenient. People know me because I've been here for a long time. So they reach out a lot. Uh, I had a, a speaking engagement yesterday in the Phoenix area and already today I've had a couple of messages from people asking if I'm available to, to come to their group after hearing me yesterday, which is great. I love that because it's the chance to share the message and touch more lives. Mm-hmm. I've done speaking at conferences all over the country. I was in St. Louis a couple months ago and did a couple of presentations and I'll be in Tucson the end of this month doing a a presentation. So, so your entire career was focused around civil engineering, but you're not going out there providing that kind of consulting to people who are wanting to get into the career field and things like that. What prompted you to pursue this human development? I think it was a, a real natural progression for me, Greg. I, as a, as a supervisor, manager, leader in these public organizations, I had a chance over the years to speak at industry events, 
right? You go to an engineering conference, a construction conference, and you do a presentation about what's going on. And I would connect with people who would then come to me and ask for advice. You know, I've heard the saying multiple times that if three or more people come to you and ask for advice in the same area, then that's an area of giftedness that you have. Well, people would come to me and ask me for advice on how they could prepare themselves for advancement, how they could, you know, become better skilled at something. Uh, But it was all of these, these sorts of encounters that were truly coaching encounters. I just didn't know that's what they were at the time. Mm-hmm. It, it, I wasn't aware of what coaching was at the time. So when I became aware of this is what coaching is about, I said, boy, I, I've been doing that for years and just didn't realize it. And it's an area that I'm good at. So I'm going to look into that. And that's what really started that progression. Okay. Um, and I work with a lot of engineers and, and construction professionals just because they know me mm-hmm. and, and I've been around them for so long. Um, so I do work in that industry quite a bit, uh, but not specifically technically oriented. It's more people and, and leadership oriented. Are you helping them to develop purpose for their life or do these folks already have a sense of what their purpose is, but you're helping them to be stronger in that? It's a real mix, quite frankly, you know, depending on the person and where they are in life and and in their career and what it is they're trying to accomplish. Some of them really are very clear on where they're headed, but they're stuck. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I try to work with them to help them become unstuck. Others come and they're just kind of lost. They're unhappy with the career field or um, they're just confused about where they want to go next. Uh, either in career or in life or, you know, pursuing education or whatever the case may be. And so we just try to work together to help them to understand what it is they're meant to do. Uh, you know, my, my favorite quote, Mark Twain said the two most important days in a person's life are the day they're born and the day they discover why. That's a great quote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's, I mean, that's really for me, when someone discovers why they're here, what their what their purpose in life is, it gives me goose. I'm getting goosebumps right now just talking about mm-hmm. it. That's just so powerful to me. And to have any small part in their self-discovery is mm-hmm. really rewarding. That's great. Now, you had said that you'd been a voracious reader of books over the years. And so I'm sure that helped you prepare for this. Did yeah. you take any other special training to prepare you to become a coach? So I, I did the, of course, the John Maxwell certification program, and then accompanied with that, there's a significant amount of training uh, available through their program, um, coaching training, speaking training, you know, what I, I mean, there's multiple types of training and it's, it's many, many hours uh, available to you. Uh, I've done training through the Igniting Souls organization. And you're familiar with that organization. I know through the programs that carry over runner and igniting souls offer. Of course, I, I did the disc, a two-day disc certification to understand that. Uh, I've also done a two-day certification program in uh, the working genius, which is um, Patrick Lencioni from the table group. Okay. If you know, Pat, most people know Pat Lencioni from the five dysfunctions of a right. team. Yes. 
Uh, he has a, a model now now called the Working Genius, which is just an incredible model for how work gets done. And um, so I recently went through that program and got certified in the use of the Working Genius model. Um, so yeah, so I've I've gone and I've done some different certifications. Um, I've I've done a lot of training, a lot of it self study. Uh, you know, I've taken a lot of courses. In fact. One of my biggest problems over time, Greg, is as a perfectionist, I always had this fear that it wasn't good enough. I wasn't good enough. My product wasn't good enough. My skills weren't good enough. So I collected training. So Robin Sharma, Darren Hardy, Michael Hyatt, Amy Porterfield. I mean, I can I probably could list to you 30 different classes that I've signed up for and taken at least portions of. Um, and then I've worked with a couple different coaches as well. Besides mm-hmm. Carrie, I also uh, worked with uh, Christina Roman on uh, getting things done, overcoming procrastination, okay. which for mm-hmm. perfectionists is a really big issue. Well, um, the, so the fear of being inadequate is a problem that plagues a lot of people, and many yeah. people just you know wallow in that. And they just never overcome it. But it sounds like you embraced it and and took it on head on and started reading the resources and things like that that convinced you that not only were you adequate, you were more than adequate to be able to utilize your story and your strengths and passions with other people. Yeah, I think that was a real um, turning point for me was accepting the fact that I didn't have to be perfect. My product didn't have to be perfect. My skills didn't have to be perfect for them to be valuable. And um, to be able to quit questioning my worth based on my level of perfection mm-hmm. um, was really, really key for me. I, so I, now I tell P, in fact, when I signed my book, so I, I I wrote a book about dealing with perfectionism called The Perfection Paradox. Now, when I sign my book for people, I, I inscribe it, be freed by your flaws and oh. escape to excellence. What? So it's really your your flaws are very liberating if you allow them to be mm-hmm. instead of instead of having them be a prison. What prompted but you to write a book? I think it was really just needing to get past being stuck being afraid uh, for myself. And and I, I tell the story in my book that I actually was originally going to write a totally different book um, about, you know, how to be successful and performance and all these things. And I, I kept telling myself, you can't write this book because you've never done anything. Who's ever going to read it? You, you're you're not good enough to write this book. And um, as I started working with with Carrie, Carrie Oberbrunner, and, and I still is September 23rd, 2014, Perfection Revelation Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on a coaching call with Carrie and he made me cry. Um, it, but he exposed the issue was that this perfectionism was so deeply ingrained that it was just completely upending my life. And that was the start of undoing Mm -hmm. was that, that night. 
That's a good um, point. It requires people from outside your, your circle of influence as a general rule to sometimes open your eyes to some of these issues. Yeah, very true. I, I heard it, I heard it referred to one time as it's hard to see the picture when you're inside the frame. Mm-hmm. From writing your book, you also developed a podcast, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, podcast is on its way. Oh, okay. Um, I, yeah, it hasn't it hasn't gone live yet, but the podcast is coming later this this calendar year. Where it's kind of in in development right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also working on launching a course uh, called Escape to Excellence. Okay, that'll be based on the content of the book. It sounds like and, like this is requiring you to develop some new skills. And uh, how are you going about finding that information to do that? Yeah, that's been fun, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, some of it is I, I sought out some training okay. from people who know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I, I did do a little bit of work uh, through one of Amy Porterfield's courses about creating online courses and uh, kind of tapped into John Lee Dumas a little bit and, and some of his programs about podcasting just to try to learn some of the basics. But one of the things that I learned from before, from my prior experience is I don't need to take 17 courses in order to get started. I'm, I'm learning the basics and then it's going to be trial and error mm-hmm. and it'll be good enough and I'll tweak it as I go. It okay. won't be perfect when it starts. That's a very good point. So you're not having to be absolutely perfect before you launch this thing. You just have to yeah. take those first couple of steps. They might be hesitant at first and they might be, you know, not really perfect, but you're just yeah. moving in that direction and it's gaining momentum doing that. Yeah. In my, in my forties, if it wasn't perfect, it never saw the light of day mm-hmm. in my fifties. It'll see the light of day and I'll tweak it and improve it as we go. Now, did this require an investment, a uh, financial investment at all? Oh yeah, definitely it did. And it varies depending on what you're doing. I mean, the, the certification programs range anywhere from, you know, a thousand dollars to five or $6,000, depending on which one you're doing. And then if they're, virtual or if you have to travel that can add costs um writing and publishing a book you know you can do it for no cost on your own but um but i did it through a program where i had some coaching and some help and i had uh, a couple of editors professional editors who worked with me and i had professional cover design done and you know so there was probably I'm going to say six or $7,000 total invested in writing and publishing and marketing the book. Okay. Um, so over time, over the course of years, there's been a, a fairly good investment. And I think the, you know, for someone who's thinking, I want to go into this and make a whole bunch of money, um, they might want to reconsider. Mm-hmm. It's really more, or at least for me, it's really more about serving people and eventually the returns will be there and, and they have been to a degree. I mean, a lot of my initial investments been recouped and, you know, a couple of the recent, like the working genius certification, that's so new uh, that obviously I haven't recouped 
that yet, but over time I will, and I'm not worried about that. So. Okay. How did the people closest to you respond to your decision to pursue a new direction in your life? Generally, they've been really supportive, and and I know that's really a struggle for some people. In a lot of cases, the people who are closest to you are the ones who discourage you Mm -hmm. because they know you from who you are and who you've been and not who you're trying to become, and it's hard for them. Uh, I've been very fortunate. My wife has been super supportive. In fact, she does all of my graphic design uh, work for me. She's she's a graphic designer and she's created all my logos and social media posts and all those things for me uh, to help out uh, because that is not a zone of genius for me. <laughs> I am not a, a creative. Um, and then my my kids, you know, have been supportive. They they promote me. They come to my events and help out and things like that, which is really a lot of fun uh, having. Having your, in fact, when we did the book launch party, one of my daughters was back working book sales at the table, and my other daughter was running the tech because we live streamed it. So oh, okay. she was making sure all the tech was running for us. And yeah, so uh, they've been very supportive, and, and I'm really grateful for that. It it it's one challenge I don't have to deal with. Mm-hmm. So you haven't really encountered any negative resistance to this goal. I think there are folks within industry who have been around me doing design and construction type work for, you know, Mm -hmm. 35 years. Not that they're resistant or negative about it, but they're just kind of dismissive of it. Okay. They, yeah, whatever, go do your thing. And, you know, when you're ready for a job, give me a call. (laughs) Right. Yes. Um, their phone hasn't rung yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've encountered the same thing in my life. Did this new pursuit create any challenges for you? The, the biggest challenge, Greg, really was just the, the discomfort personally. I mean, it really has stretched me a lot in ways I've never been stretched before. I knew how to design highways and water lines and and I knew how to manage a design and construction program because I was around it and I learned it and I progressed and grew into it. Mm -hmm. This was like jumping into something new that I really had no knowledge or experience trying to learn it in hopes that it was the right fit, you know, learning how to, build a website and learning how to write a book. And if you know, engineers were not the world's most outgoing people. (laughs) Uh, Engineers tend to be somewhat introverted. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not necessarily the typical engineer from a personality perspective, I guess, but I still wasn't Mr. You know, outgoing life of the party at all. I had to really teach myself how to put myself out there more. Okay. And that was quite uncomfortable. And in all honesty, it still is to a degree, but I'm able to dismiss that discomfort because I know I have to do that in order to reach people and share the message. Now, did you have you received any rewards from pursuing this passion? 
or is it still too early within your new career? You know, obviously I've, I've gotten good feedback from folks, you know, who, who've said, Hey, thanks for helping, you know, or, or, Hey, thanks for your advice. I got the promotion or so those are great reward. I, I, that's the reason I decided to do it. That sort of thing. Um, I did, um, my book was nominated for an award. It's called the author elite award. Uh, and, um, I've been named a finalist. So next week I'll be, or next week as we're speaking. Mm-hmm. So toward the end of October, uh, I'll be in Columbus, Ohio for the conference and the book awards ceremony okay. where they'll name the winners of the awards. So, um, I know several of the other authors. I've read their books. They're outstanding. I have actually, I'm surprised I'm a finalist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I just, want to be there to help celebrate with whichever one of them wins. That's right. <laughs> so so I'll, I'll pack my tuxedo and go to Columbus <laughs> and have a great time at the party. Um, I think one of the, one of the biggest rewards, Greg was my mom called me out of the blue. My mom never calls me unless something's wrong. I call mm-hmm. her to check right, on her. Exactly. My mom called me and she, she calls me sunny boy. She <laughs> says, sunny boy, I've known you for 58 years. I just finished your book and I finally understand you. Oh, that's neat. That to me, the, the pain, I'm here to tell you writing a book is a painful process. People have no idea. Yeah. And I know you've experienced Mm -hmm. it and to hear my mother say that made all that pain worthwhile. What types of things are still on your adventure list? I love the direction I'm going. Um, and I love that I'm connecting with people. Um, you know, I mentioned yesterday, I, I spoke at a luncheon, uh, 25 or 30 people there and, um, signed my book for them after. And this morning I've got a couple of messages from people saying, Hey, I'm in another organization and I really want you to come. In fact, one has already sent me the date and the location and said, can you please put us on your calendar? So the message is connecting and, and having an impact, which is fantastic. I mean, that's all I could hope for. So to be able to continue to expand and reach more people with my message about overcoming perfectionism and accomplishing what you want to accomplish in work and life. That's great. Um, I really want to, I want to expand on the capacity of what I'm doing and, you know, develop some more courses and, and uh, write more books and, and just be able to, to reach more people in those ways. So that's, I think what the future holds. If you were to start over right now, would you do anything differently in building this business? Yeah, I'd get out of my way a lot quicker. <laughs> I, I'd quit worrying about if it was good enough or not, and I'd just get on with it. So what advice would you give to people over 50 to help them either identify or pursue their passions? I think what they really need to, to do is think about what they love, what brings them joy, and pursue that. In today's world, with the the expansion of virtual and with teaching platforms and i i mean if you love gardening start a 
podcast about gardening, put together a little video course about gardening and throw it up on one of the platforms that hosts courses. There's tons of them out there. And connect with people about gardening. If you love scrapbooking, do that about scrapbooking. You know, if if you have a skill or a passion that you want to share, go share it because there are people out there who are interested in what you love and what you're expert at. And they're just waiting for you to share your knowledge and your skill with them so that they can enjoy that more fully too. I agree. Thank you very much, Jeff. I really appreciate you sharing your story with me. It's good pursuit to help other people find what they need to pursue and help them get to the point in their life where they can let go of some of the baggage that has been holding them back over the years and pursue something that it's really been imprinted on their heart probably their entire lives. And they just haven't recognized it yet. Now you're 50, it's time to recognize it and really in- enjoy the life you've been given. Thank you again, so, Jeff. I really appreciate the time. Yeah, uh, Thanks for having me on, Greg. I appreciate Jeff Kramer, the author of Perfection Paradox, for being vulnerable enough to share his story with the rest of us, many of whom struggled with the same problem. In his 40s, everything Jeff set out to do had to be perfect or it never saw the light of day. Now in his 50s, he is no longer bound by that need for perfection. As he grows and learns, he can pass that knowledge on to others, even if he's only a step or two ahead of them. Helping people move from their starting point forward works to build momentum for Jeff and his clients. Today, Jeff realizes he doesn't have to complete a dozen courses before he is confident enough in his skill or knowledge to pursue his passion. As he closes in on 60, Jeff said he loves the direction his life is heading today. After writing the book, Jeff began work on a course called Escape to Excellence, which guides people even deeper into the major themes of his book. He plans to launch a podcast soon to share interviews and insight with others. If Jeff had to start over again, there is one thing he'd definitely do when launching his business, and that's to get out of his own way much faster and stop worrying about whether something was good enough. Anyone can become a teacher because each of us is an expert or very experienced in something that others are struggling to do or to understand. With the expansion of virtual teaching programs, Jeff said it is very easy to take any message to any audience eager to learn new things. For example, If someone loved gardening, he or she could start a podcast and put together a tiny course to help people who have no idea where to begin to create a garden. I really enjoyed his closing advice when he said, Whatever you are passionate about, if you've been doing it for a while, that makes you an expert. Go ahead and share what you know because there are many people just waiting for you to share your knowledge and skill with them. When you do, your joy becomes their joy too. To connect with Jeff, visit www.jeffreyakramer.com. For help in overcoming perfectionism, visit www.perfectionparadoxbook.com. If you'd like help in identifying a purpose for your life or to get help in planning your next steps, I'm offering a complimentary brainstorming session to members of the Forward from 50 Facebook community. For details, connect with me on Facebook or visit www.forwardfrom50.com. That's all for this week's show. Next week, I'll be interviewing a groundbreaking couple who are personally responsible for hundreds of thousands of people living out their travel dreams in an RV. 
Here's a hint. They literally knew nothing about RVing when they started and still managed to amass one of the largest online communities in the travel lifestyle within a few years. I know you'll be inspired by their story. Thanks for joining me for today's episode of the Passionate Purpose Podcast.